Welcome to the second episode of Unfiltered, where we invite two of our researchers to discuss a current topic over a coffee. In this episode, we asked Dr. Nando Sagona, reader in international migration and forced displacement, and doctoral researcher April Louise Pennant, what does it mean to be British? So what does it mean to be British to you? I think of like the Union Jack, I think of the Queen, I think of roast dinners, um, I think of the British sense of humour, um, many different things like more broadly. What about yourself? I don't know, I mean, it's a question I've been asking myself quite a lot recently, partly mm. because I'm um, in the process of applying for naturalisation and I did um, the Life in UK test, the one that you need to do in order to uh, to apply for naturalization and, and every time you, you look at the book and you turn a page you, you ask yourself why is this there? Why, I mean how do you decide what does it mean to be British? I mean depends uh, your starting point, your class, I guess mm. also your, your um, history, your ethnic uh, belonging etc. Mm. Um, what about being English? I mean, that's, it's interesting because I always like define myself as British Nigerian because I'm Nigerian and Jamaican heritage. So that really merges, especially because of Britain's like history of like empire and how the different nations have been always like entangled within that. But in terms of Englishness, people see it more specific to like a nationality or a group of people. So, I mean, I would say that I am English, but. I feel like I identify more as British. Because you were born here, no? You were born yeah, I actually class myself as third generation. So my grandparents um, came, especially my dad's side, they came from with the Windrush, or around that time anyway. So um, my parents, or well, my dad was born here, and then I say that me and my sister are like third generation. So that's why in terms of I'm still very much in touch with my cultural background, but yeah. I am British. And um, like I said, I kind of use all of those kind of cultural uh, makeups to identify myself. I think it's fascinating. I mean, the time we are living now, that all these questions uh, have become more salient. I mean, people is almost forced to ask the question. I mean, if you think if you think about the Windrush scandal, mm. it's quite interesting how people that, uh, in a sense, were part of the British uh, Empire uh, for generations, even before the Britain existed as a country, yeah. in a sense, have been now asked to if they were really British or where do they belong. Mm. But this doesn't happen to everyone. I mean, in a sense, I, I think it's really important that uh, there are some group of people that get asked all the time to, you know, to swear allegiance to, yeah. to the country or to ask the question, where are you from, really? Yeah. And others, they can just, just uh, fudge the question or they're not asked. Yeah, um, and maybe, I guess, Britishness or Englishness in general is maybe associated more like with this idea of whiteness because with the Windrush um, scandal you can have the passport, you can be here for 70 odd years, you can have your grandchildren mm. here and you still get the question where are you really from or people trying to revoke your nationality or telling you where you do belong or that you don't belong in Britain so it's kind of a bit of an interesting question and as you said very relevant like now especially what's happening and it just I don't know just the sense of insecurity right mm. and if you have a sense of belonging you just feel like you know part of something and maybe having some kind of security but then for that to be stripped away from you after all this time like it's actually quite disrespectful to be honest and actually quite like hurtful you know so um yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting time to yeah, be British. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, I'm doing work on Brexit at the moment, mm. in particular on European families that, um, uh, that have been living in Britain for many years and on the second generation Europeans, so their kids. Mm. And I think, in a sense, um, 
many people that came from the European Union to live uh, in Britain, they always came with the idea that, you know, by being, I'm, I'm in Britain, but I'm European. So in a sense, I'm, I'm almost basically embodying the idea of being European by migrating to Britain or to another member states. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, the kids grow up with the idea that you can be, you can be British European in a sense. And now, you know, they all, you have all this question that parents have to answer from their children, whether I'm a British or I'm a European. Mm -hmm. I mean, I myself, my son asked me, I mean, I'm more Italian or I'm more English. <laughs> and I mean, obviously I have an awkward, I don't really have an answer, but at the same time, this is a very important question this day. It's not just uh, something that uh, you can answer lightly. And I guess it's about identity, isn't it? And just the idea, so within my research, I'm looking at black British females and their experiences within the education system. So they're all recent graduates, right? Mm. Some of them are second generation, some of them are third generation. And the idea of the curriculum always comes up, right? You know, especially within history or even within English, all subjects is always like an erasure of particular British experiences, right? And it happens to be, you know, if you're working class, maybe your narratives are not in there. Or if you're not white, maybe your narratives are not really in there. So I guess like the only good thing about this scandal was the fact that it's all over the news, right? So people that have been wondering why all these black people are here, you <laughs> can finally see, hey, they've been here for a long time and they've contributed actually quite a lot because it's just completely erased from the curriculum, which yeah. is no, you're astonishing. You're right. I mean, the problem is the and now people think that the first black person came in 1948. Mm. I mean, that's the problem. And it's the same similarly. I mean, people think that the only migrants in Britain are the people that came after the Second World War. Mm. I mean, Britain has been a country of uh, immigration for a long time. Also yes. the immigration, though. I mean, there has been uh, Brits traveling the world and adventure, etc. Mm. But also, uh, you know, as we, you know, black people were being country before and um, 1948 and it's really important I mean, what you're saying about you know erasing from the from the history curriculum mm. um, as probably is one of the reasons why we end up at where we end up now I mean with this scandal I mean how is it possible mm. and not just like from history even just in terms of English literature or geography or even um, subjects like African studies it's just a complete one side or one perspective and I think that that doesn't give like the whole kind of picture which I guess some people would say it's hard to do because there's so much histories but sometimes it's just about having a nuance and like telling the truth you mm. know because I think there's been an erasure and sometimes that's quite um, harmful right mm. because we want some kind of unity and inclusion, but how can you do that if you're not including all the perspectives and all the contributions and all the histories which have happened, right? Yeah. And they have like a Black History Month, which is just one month, but it's largely focused on like American history, Black American history. Yeah. So you have the Martin Luther Kings and the Rosa Parks, but we're not talking about, you know, the bus boycott in Bristol in the 1960s or, you know, the Black Panther Party in the UK mm. and the fact that there was a need for these kind of organisations within Britain, you know? Mm. And I think just the distancing from, you know, what's happening here is just quite bizarre, to be honest. I think it's important. I mean, obviously, we try to look at the positive side of the, of the Windrush scandal. One thing is that, is, as you said, is opening a, a conversation that uh, for too long we haven't had in terms yes. of voices. As in, so who, spoke, who speaks about it? I mean, mm. even in sense, everyone knows about the, you know, the Tottenham MP who has been very vocal about the, the Windrush. Oh, David, David, David Ami? Yeah, yes. yeah. But it was almost uh, one of the few voices. Mm. Even, even now, in this situation where, you know, suddenly we realised in this country that, you know, Actually, in, uh, when the, the Windrush generation came, they were actually subject of the British Empire, or they were citizen. Mm -hmm. And now, they, now instead, they suddenly have been turned into illegal migrants, mm -hmm. which they have to prove why they're here. 
So it's quite interesting. So how is it possible that for some group of people, you mm -hmm. can just relabel them? You can just turn a citizen into a migrant? And this mm -hmm. is something, in a way, that uh, is also linked to the work I'm doing on Brexit and now the EU nationals, the EU citizenship, etc. Mm. And it's like, you know, when do you become accepted as British? Like, is it the nationality and having a passport? Is it about living here for a certain period of time? Is it about having white skin? Like, what does it actually mean to be British and who is defining Mm. what that is, right? Because it's reinforced constantly by the curriculum with the erasure of particular experiences, you know? So it always brings that into question, especially the times that we're living now with all these migration, mm. refugees crisis, and like just everything that's happening in the world where there's a lot of division. What do you think can be done? I mean, how would you address this, uh, these gaps, these erasures? It's just about, like I said, being truthful, right? So when we're looking at particular histories, let's include not just um, British history, mm. but the different experiences within that, mm. and also different perspectives, right? Because we can look at, like, as I was saying, African studies, and this could particularly one side. Mm. But let's look at the other side, right? How do those pe people experience what was happening to them? Yeah, mm. what are some of their, you know, stories that they have to tell? I think sometimes there is a risk of tokenism though. I mean, I'm just mm. thinking, of, I have a mixed feeling. I, I, one of um, my children is seven, so yes. I, get, I get told these stories when he come back from school. Sometimes I ask him, you know, how do they talk about diversity at school? Mm. I mean, uh, obviously at that age, they start to realize that people may have uh, different uh, skill, skin colors, yes. and uh, uh, sometimes we come back with very strange questions, you know, things. Uh, the other day he came back and said, uh, Puppy, am I black? Wow. And, uh, and I really didn't know how to answer it because you have to be very careful how do you position. I mean, what do you tell a child who is, you know, half Italian, half British, and mm. uh, uh, is European citizen at a time when it was not really cool to be a, a European citizen and, uh, and things like that. So it's quite interesting how within the school settings, these are really important questions these days. And I think the diversity mm. also, the staff, for example, is really important. Mm. It's one thing having, uh, you know, all white teachers telling you about uh, uh, Diwali, for example. Another thing is yeah. to have a teacher that comes from that heritage mm -hmm. and really makes that heritage, heritage part of being British today. Too. Yeah, I think um, with education, though, I think in terms of it comes from different places, right? So it's for parents to, you know, actively show their kids. It's about worldview, right? So it does them a service if you know more, because mm. we're living in an increasingly diverse like world, right? So it does a service for each and every one of us if we, you know, actively, you know, go and engage within certain um, conversations or just go into museums or just, you know, social media is very rife, right? And there's a lot of, like, things that are shared online and different links and documentaries. And sometimes it's actually just about engaging and just seeing, like, oh, what I know is quite limited or it doesn't know, I don't know everything. So it's just about, like, having an open mind, mm. I guess, right? And also just... Um, we all have power, so just kind of like going to our schools and saying, hey, like, what's the curriculum like? Yeah. Is it including these perspectives? And I know it could seem that, you know, why would people want to do that? But as I said, it does a service to all of us if we understand, you know, what it is to be British, because you know, they're yeah. talking about what it is to be British. Well, these are the things that contribute to Britishness, right? The diversity, um, the different kind of communities that have all contributed yeah. and left a legacy. And they should be appreciated and recognised and celebrated and merged to include, you know, all these experiences. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very good point. I mean, some of the work I do uh, in my research is around the sense of belonging. You mm. know, how do you define who you are and uh, where do you belong to? And mm. sometimes we forget, you know, sometimes we say, you know, people nowadays in this... Uh, 
postmodern time can choose mm. where to belong as if uh, you know as if there is like a menu where you can pick up your choice and mm. what you want but with the men we really forget that you know power and uh, and there are elements that you know not everyone has the same freedom to choose the menu yeah. and uh, some some items of the menu are very expensive mm. and not everyone can afford <laughs> Uh, yeah. and, and this is really interesting because uh, I'm, I'm asking questions around uh, to people that have grown up in Britain uh, mm. born here as well about do you feel you belong here and mm. uh, these are mostly uh, people with uh, European heritage like okay. uh, from the European Union and it's really interesting to see how they find themselves really asking this question not knowing how to answer anymore I mean the things about uh, parents telling me about their uh, her children her, uh, her children that's are really confused now about you know being able to speak two languages. You know, yeah. up until two years ago, if you were speaking two European languages, it was something really posh. It was also something that society would really appreciate. Oh, he's mm. bilingual. That's a great advantage. Mm. And nowadays, the same people are a bit concerned about speaking the two languages in mm. public, in particular. But also, it's become less. Uh, uh, yeah, no, let's consider it as a positive thing. So in mm. a sense, it's quite interesting how the changing circumstances also change the terms in which you will define and your belonging and how you feel comfortable with who mm. you are. Um, so it's, it's an, an important time of transition here. And, yeah. uh, and going back to what you were saying about the curricula, I think it would be very interesting to see how we're going to tell the story of this time in uh, 20 years or 30 years time. And who will be telling that story, yeah. you know? And what's interesting is in my research, I'm looking at black British females, right? A sense of belonging as well and Britishness also comes up, right? And as I said, the curriculum's a big thing where they don't feel that they can relate to it in general, but also specifically because their experiences are not represented. Mm. But also just the idea of always, you know, having to prove or having to be questioned about your Britishness, mm. right? So, you know, some of them, like I said, are third generation. So their grandparents came here, their parents were born here, and now they are here, right? And they're still being questioned about their Britishness. So it's, it kind of leads to the fact that, you know, as we were saying before, when do you become British? Like, who is allowed to be British? Yeah. And also who's defining those? And how is that reinforced in, you know, the, things like the curriculum or in the media and just yeah. everyday but Even in immigration policy, it's yeah. not just about reinforcing. Here we're talking of immigration enforcement. Mm. I mean, the fact that uh, people that are from the Windrush generation got deported. Yeah. You know, that's really, I mean, it's not reinforcement, that's it's actually, it's forced <laughs> removal. I mean, this is interesting because in a sense, uh, a discourse that is at the level of uh, culture, I mean, how do I feel, how do I define, has a very clear implication also in terms of policy these days. I mean, with all the, uh, as if the hostile environment that uh, is meant to apply only to uh, the so-called illegal migrants has been stretched and affects many more people affects so-called the regular migrants, but also affected the member of minorities in this country, you know, the, as you were saying, you know, the, the, the descendant of the Windrush yeah. as well. This is a, it's a really a, con a concern for me, I mean, this development. Mm. Uh, there has been an attempt to very much uh, uh, saying that this was a problem with a bureaucratic error. So as if it was, you know, some sort of uh, uh, a deviation, a side not, not a side effect of the policy mm -hmm. that we are seeing now, but just uh, a human error. Mm -hmm. which I don't think is the case because this is something which is, is much broader and I think if we want to move on and mm -hmm. towards a more somehow inclusive 
British society, we need to address those uh, erasure you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. I, having done the Life in UK test, the one that you need to do for the British nationality, mm -hmm. um, it's quite interesting because in a sense it's a compendium of what someone mm -hmm. thinks is the absence of being British. And obviously they mention uh, you know, slavery, the colonialism is mentioned, but, but it's like cursory mention and it's always mm -hmm. with an happy ending in the end. You yes. know, the, the, uh, and it's really important because uh, the when you do the life in UK, it's really important because it's the moment in which uh, the British establishment or mm. has decided that this is the essential things of our history and everyone else in this country should know. Mm. But sometimes I think, you know, if you come from uh, one of the countries that were colonized or, or if you come, for example, from Argentina and, mm. uh, and one of the questions that you encounter is about, you know, the Falkland uh, War and now, uh, you know, those islands are called Falkland, they're not called Malvinas. Really, it's a very interesting process. I, I, so I actually got that question in my test. And I thought, wow, if I was Argentina, I would be really a bit annoyed yeah. having to answer uh, the way they want me to answer. Mm. And this is really interesting because uh, it tells you something also about the extent to which you have to buy into a narrative. You have to learn to answer the way, the, the way you have, they want you to answer. Mm. At the same time, uh, sometimes this also means denying your own history. And I hope it changes well. <laughs> Will it? Yeah. Yeah. I think the point, I guess, is um, what can be done? I mean, in a sense, how do you get to a better point in 10, 20 years' time? Telling the truth could be one thing, but with that, I guess, you know, through education, because everyone goes through their education system, it's, it's a legal requirement. So maybe, you know, just having more perspectives, more different sides, mm. more, um, you know, different cultural inputs, and not necessarily. Um, internationally but actually within Britain because yeah. I think a new policy is this thing about British values right yeah. and British values includes all of the different cultures and contributions from different people which that encompasses and who have been here and contributed all this time so maybe pay more attention to that instead mm -hmm. of focusing on like one kind of strict way of being British. But do you think this is the direction we are going? I mean, my, my impression instead is that even in the curriculum at the moment, there seems to be actually a return to Englishness rather mm. than an acknowledgement of the diversity has really mm. a structural part of where we are now. Mm. Well, I guess that's why like our research is quite important because, you know, I'm obviously sharing about black British females and how, you know, the intersections of their gender, their race, um, their social class, mm. how that impacts their Britishness and experiences within the English education system. And obviously you're looking at migration and senses of belonging. So I feel like those things will pull out what is needed and maybe we will definitely provide recommendations mm. um, and hopefully it could be listened to. But I think they need to talk to more people like ourselves yeah. who can assist them in helping to, you know, shape it for the better so that everyone feels included. Yeah, no, of course, of course it's, I think it's important. Somehow I think that you need to build uh, a political support for these changes because mm -hmm. obviously in order to change a curricula you need to have uh, the political will to do it Definitely. and and also a, a curricula is part of a political project i mean a Definitely. broader idea of how do you define the country and and i think it's it's important to think about how do we build how we get to that point and since how we build the alliances the solidarities that enables all these new voices so these voices that are not new yes. but in a sense come on the stage they, yes. they come out and uh, and they can speak out and be mm. part of the conversation. Uh, at the moment, it seems like there is again a return to the empire. You know, they, sometimes they talk about Empire 2.0 as yeah. the new political project of global Britain. And you can see how there is already a push 
towards, you know, let's go back to our former colonies, let's mm -hmm. try to have a nice photos with the, the, the leader of the Commonwealth, the whole yeah. Commonwealth. And, and it's worrying because at the same time this also means uh, somehow erasing uh, the European history of Britain or, or emphasizing aspects which are more conflictual and uh, so it, it's really important, I mean in a sense the curriculum is uh, is, is product of the legacy of the history of the country but also of the vision for the future. And but a particular history as we've said, yeah, right? So especially with a growing presence of people of colour or different kinds of people in the UK, I think it's in the best interest in terms of to be truthful about this and to actually have conversations where we're like actually these people are not just here for this they've actually you know just mm. a bit of a storyline you know so we can all see where we fit in and like a patchwork i guess like we'll have a little patch which contributes to a bigger quilt you know yeah. so, no, so like, you need to make have people together that they work mm. together in a sense because otherwise you end up in a situation of identity politics. So each little group trying to lobby for themselves. And, mm. and in the end of the day, if you have a lot of little actors, yes. the people in power have got more power to decide and pick and choose which voice do you want. So there is a, a political work and also social society need to sort of acknowledge that there is a need for it. Mm. And I guess Windrush is important in that sense that is open up that space for mm for some question to be asked. Britishness should be inclusive, um, bearing in mind all the different people, the different histories and different cultures which make it into what it is. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, it's, uh, it's about truth, but it's more about the truths. Yes. And the point is, who decides which one, what is true? And we should open up a space, and I guess the Windrush yes. is, uh, is given opportunity for starting the conversation. What we should do is maybe uh, not allow this conversation to be closed straight away by trying to continue and build on it. Yes. For additional content on this episode, visit www.birmingham.ac.uk forward slash unfiltered2.